fishing gear. I'm going to get a new fly rod. I like to think of myself as a fly fisherman. Now, maybe that doesn't sound exciting to you, but to some of you, perhaps it does. If it's one of your hobbies, maybe it's something you enjoy as much as I do. The thing with fly rods is you can't just have somebody go buy one for you. You have to hold it in your hands. You have to know how long you want it to be. You want to know how much flex it has. You want to talk to the people selling it to you so they can talk to you about where you're going to fish and how you're going to fish and what kind of rivers you're going to be in. All those things come to play when you're thinking about fly fishing. Can you tell I enjoy it? You notice I said enjoy. I didn't say I was any good at it. To be a good fly fisherman, you have to practice all the time. It's not just a matter of going down to the river and throwing something in. You're always doing something. Fly fishing is an active sport. You don't just sit on the bank and wait for something to bite. You're always casting or tying on a new fly or mending a cast and watching the ripples underneath the water and you wear your polarized glasses. Are you beginning to know as much as you want to know about fly fishing? Back last fall, I took a day off and went up to the mountains to fish. And standing along the bank of a small river you could see a fish down there in the water. The water was maybe two and a half feet deep. And all you could see were those side fins doing this. But you could see there was a fish down there. I tied on ten different flies. I tried nymphs. I tried dries. I went back to nymphs. And I finally had to hit him in the head. And I knew it was the only chance... I was ever going to get. You can't sit at home and think about fishing and catch fish. The fish is not caught that is not salt. You have to go where they are. I ask again, have you heard enough about fishing? For some of you, if you know about it, you want to know the rest of the story. Well, maybe later. But most of you really don't care, do you? But I chose to start today's sermon thinking about fly fishing because of the text, of course. Jesus walking along the shore of the lake calls ordinary people. And He doesn't say, come and follow me and I'm going to give you a list of benefits. He doesn't say, come and follow me and I'll do something else for you. He says, come and follow me because I have a task for you. I've got something for you to do. Follow me and I'm going to teach you how to catch people. Perhaps he put the task of discipleship in this way because some of these people were already fishermen and it made sense to them. But I wonder if Jesus is telling disciples, come and I'll teach you how to catch people just like you used to catch fish because of who Jesus is. 
You see, in today's text, Jesus is not the teacher of a cool and dispassionate philosophy. He's not giving inside religious information to the church. He's not the representative of an organized institution that's trying to grow or die. He's not even giving them theological talk. What he's doing is summoning people to come to work for him. And the work he gives them is catching people. Don't you find it curious that Jesus promises Andrew and Simon Peter and the other two only this one thing? The only thing he promises at this point is that I'm going to teach you how to catch people instead of fish. From what I have observed of church growth and church decline, and there's no in-between in my experience, is that the churches that are growing and the churches that are dying, it's basically in this matter of whether or not they've learned how to fish. You see, there are insider churches, and we concern ourselves mainly with keeping up what's going on inside these four walls. We take care of the people that's here. We minister to those who are sick. We have potlucks. We come to worship. We do all those other kinds of things, and they're fun, and it's important. And then there are those groups that think of themselves as outside groups. And they see as one of their main tasks to reach outside these four walls. It's not that they're not interested in who's inside. They are. But they see as one of their main components to be willing to go outside the walls and invite other people to come in. Now, by implication, we can't follow Jesus unless we're doing what Jesus tells us to do. If we're not obeying Jesus, it's pretty hard to follow where He would take us. And the text, and it's one of many in the New Testament, is trying to get us to go out and learn to fish for people. If we're not doing that, I think the corollary becomes we're disobeying Jesus. Some years ago, we attempted to form a sessional committee on evangelism in this church. And it was, well, it was a complete failure. And the reason it was a failure is because Presbyterians are scared to death of the E-word. You say evangelism and they'll hide under a chair. We're terrified. And part of it is because there are so many negative connotations. We hear evangelism and we think of tent meetings. We think of buttonholing people on the street. We think of all kinds of negative pressure and behavior that we don't like and which we will not participate in. What I find fascinating is that none of those negative practices and habits that we find so offensive was ever recommended or practiced by Jesus or the disciples. Where did we get that idea? 
Well, we got it from other people who misused the words, didn't we? Whatever our, our negative stereotypes of evangelism, they didn't come from Jesus. Maybe a part of the problem is, is that we Presbyterians want to systematize everything. You know, you got a problem, you form a committee. The committee will solve it. Maybe we don't need a committee. Maybe the problem is that we must first learn to talk and live a faith fluently enough that other people want to know why and want to follow too. Instead of forming a new church structure, maybe we simply need to be empowered to become fisher folk. Fisher men seems to be a little bit... Uh, to one-sided, fisher folk for Jesus. Maybe what we need to do in fly fishing terms is we need to learn to match the hatch. And that is we pick the right kind of fly for the right kind of fish. And we try to be ourselves and we get out there in the river of life and get our feet wet. Because you're not going to catch anything standing on the bank. You're not going to catch anything sitting here on a Sunday morning. Because the folks here are mostly already caught. Jesus and those first disciples practiced a friend-maker style of evangelism. People came to Jesus and they didn't find somebody who was condemning. They found someone who made them feel welcome. Not everybody who came to Jesus stayed with Him. Because Jesus never pressures people to be a part. He doesn't ask them to join the cause. No, what He does is He says, come be with Me and I'll give you some work to do. He doesn't talk about benefits. He talks about a job description, a task. Maybe we need to drop the scary E word and quit talking about it and become friend makers for Jesus. The problem is that most of the skills we know are skills that are, are, that are useful in maintaining what's already here. People who got caught in some other time and some other place. See, I confess we pastors are better at maintaining congregations than we are at going out and catching new folks. And I think that's because of the very title. Pastors are shepherds. They take care of the sheep that are already there. But nobody ever encouraged us or taught us how to go out and fish. And if you think that's the minister's job, you're in for a rude awakening. Because the truth is, we don't do it very well. And maybe, just maybe, it's not our primary task anyway. It may just be that if the primary task is for you, sitting in the pew, or in this case, in chairs. You see, I'm not even sure that evangelism is teachable. 
The skill that is teachable is that we learn to love people enough that we want to tell them the news that we already know. Oh, I know, there are programs out there. There are step-by-step things that we can do, but what they mostly do is reinforce the old negative stereotypes that we don't want anything to do with. It has a great deal more to do with being coercive than it has to do with being friends. You see, the truth is, so often we say we want the church to grow. Well, what I've discovered is we want the church to grow, but only if it grows in people that look like us. Only if it's in people that sound like us, that have the same kind of experiences we do. What if the church is supposed to grow in people that don't look like us? A bishop in the United Methodist Church writes the following, and it's long and I'm going to read it, but I'll try to make it meaningful to you. He says, Alas, too many of us have been content to hunker down in the vineyard with the faithful few that have been bequeathed to us than to join the master of the vineyards in the forays to the unemployment office. When we settle down and become parochial, the Holy Spirit drifts off somewhere else. Jesus leaves us as His movement has to stay on the move. There is something about Jesus that refuses to bed down with the sheep who are unimaginative or too decrepit to get out there and go to work. And then He says this. He says, I just closed a church after a 70-year lifespan. Their dying words were, there is no one anywhere near our church who might join the church. And then he says, what they meant was, we're in the middle of a great population growth, but they're all the wrong color. And they speak a different language. Church growth is an expected, essential byproduct of a Savior who is restlessly out on the prowl for new disciples. Church decline is an expected result for a church that refuses to follow the Savior. And then he says this, and this is the one that kills me. He says, it really gets me that Kentucky Fried Chicken loves the people in West Birmingham more than my church loves them. Because Kentucky Fried Chicken has found a way to build and maintain the best looking place in West Birmingham. Whereas we United Methodists, and I can add Presbyterians, have abandoned that part of the city. Scary, isn't it? Any one of you who've been recently hooked by Jesus can probably testify that one of the reasons you have found your way to church is that somebody found the right lure, the right word, the right expression, the right example, the right something that got you to be where you are. We have come to think that if we just put up a sign and advertise and unlock the doors, people will come in. 
but they won't, will they? What are the skills that your church needs to give you in order that you can get back in the business of catching people? In my experience, a part of the problem is that we in the church find it difficult to talk to people about our faith. For many of us, it's extremely private. We feel like we're being intrusive if we say the name Jesus outside these four walls or to somebody that may not know who we are and what we believe. We don't want to appear holier than thou, do we? But in light of today's gospel, I can only think of one thing to say to us. Get over it. Jesus said, go fishing. He didn't say, maybe. It's get out there and go fishing. But the good news is, Jesus says, if you will fish for me, I will empower you with ways to make it successful. Why doesn't Jesus seem to keep his end of the bargain? You know churches that are declining. Could it be because, first of all, we have not stood up and said, we'll try? Could it be because we've been so tentative, we're not willing to make the step? An old fly fisherman can tell you, you're not going to catch fish in this building. You can practice casting, but there are no fish to be found here. You've got to get outside these four walls. One of the things that those of us who like to fish always say when those of you who don't like to fish come to us and says, did you catch any fish? We always say it's called fishing, it's not called catching. Jesus promises that if we go fishing for Him, if we go fishing with Him, there will be a catch. Doesn't say how, doesn't say when, but an appropriate question we have to ask ourselves is are we going fishing? Are we engaging with the Master in this issue of taking the Gospel outside of four walls and inviting people to come in? Are we? Jesus promises that He will work through you. And so that's a question we have to ask. Is it a commitment we're willing to make? Those of us who are terrified of the idea and some of you are. Are we willing? I started this sermon with a fishing story. I did hit him in the head. He did bite. A 20-inch rainbow. Some days you can catch. The question is, are you going to put yourself in a place where you can? Or are you going to say, oh, that's somebody else's job? Are you going fishing?
or not. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.